You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Suzette McAvoy is the executive director and chief curator at the Center for Maine Contemporary Art in Rockland. Thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. So you've been uh, doing this long enough that now the museum is not only in a completely different building, but in a completely different town. It is. Last uh, June, June 26 of, of 2016, we opened in our new location in Rockland. And uh, so we've been there a little over a year now. It's been an incredible year. It's gone by in a blur. Um, there's been so many good things happening. Um, we've reached uh, more than 40,000 people in our first year, which surpassed our projections of about 35,000. Um, and that's about quadruple the number that we had in our former location in Rockport. So it's been um, a really uh, a wonderful expansion of both our program and our audience. What is it, uh, do you think, about the Midcoast area that is so supportive of artists? Well, a lot of artists tell me that Maine is where the work gets done, that they come to Maine to really spend time in the studio. Um, there's this sense of you're away from the market, um, you're away from the kind of social demands of being in a more urban area. Um, so there's not only the natural beauty of the place, you get that wonderful North Main light, um, which of course is attractive to many artists working in the studio. Um, and a sort of side note is it's also one of the features of the new CMCA building in Rockland is that the architect Toshiko Mori took advantage of that, uh, of our north facing property to bring natural north light into, into the main gallery. Um, so I think that the Midcoast provides this sense of, uh, you know, natural beauty, but also an environment that's really conducive to doing work in the studio, which is, of course, where the art gets made. And we also are appreciative of artists. So this is a place where people can come and be artists, and they will know that other people will come and look at their work. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's long been an area where there's been a community of artists uh, going back to, you know, the middle of the 19th century, artists have been coming to the coast of Maine, and um, uh, Maine Coast Artists, which is how we began in 1952, uh, really uh, was an outgrowth of that. Um, you know, the Farnsworth Museum uh, was started in 1948, and Maine Coast Artists, as we were known then, started just four years later. Um, because so many artists were coming to the Midcoast 
to um, impart a reaction to, you know, getting out of the urban areas, getting out of New York City. Um, so they ended up coming right after the war, uh, this was pretty much. Um, and so they would come to the Midcoast in a similar way that they might go to Provincetown in Massachusetts. But from there, there just developed this network of, of artists who were knew each other maybe in, in Boston or Philadelphia, New York, and then it became more of a year-round. Um, so there's always been this nice balance between the year-round artists and the more seasonal residents, but you know, really a great uh, creative community that we have. Define for me contemporary art. So I always tell people that at CMCA, we are uh, focused on the art of today that contemporary art is really dealing with the current topics of today's culture. Um, so it's really made by artists that are looking at the world around them and addressing that in with a contemporary spirit, with an idea of uh, not looking backwards, but looking forward. Um, we're, not, we're a non-collecting institution. Um, we don't have a collection like a more traditional museum. And that's really because in 10 years, if we were collecting, it wouldn't be contemporary any longer, you know. So it's not just that it's about living artists, um, because there's a lot of living artists, some of them, that are not working in a contemporary way. They're working in a more traditional sort of you know, really grounded in the 19th century traditions and they're, or they're very nostalgic in their outlook. We're really interested in artists that are um, part of the larger cultural dialogue of, of today. Are they aware of the aesthetic uh, uh, concerns of, of the more um, contemporary voice? Tell me about some of those artists. Well, right now, for instance, we're showing the work of the artist John Walker, who I think really fits that um, profile really well. Um, he uh, lives in Seal Point, Maine, which is down by South Bristol, um, and he's been really addressing the Maine landscape around um, his property in Seal Point for almost 30 years now, but he's doing it in a really uh, individual, unique way. Um, so while the subject of the main landscape is completely traditional, I mean, there's been a long history of artists addressing the main landscape, John is doing it with a particularly unique voice. Um, these are uh, abstract when you first look at them, but I think a longer viewing would really start to reveal how he is responding to the visible world, the outside world, the uh, the way weather affects the light on the water. You know, for instance, there's a number of very large-scale abstract paintings that are uh, um, a, a brilliant blue stripes with white um, patterning on them. And if you, you know, if you can put your imagination out there on Seal Point on a brilliant summer main day when the light is reflecting off the surface of the water, it's creating that pattern in your mind's eye. And so he's somebody, I think, who is really taking that long tradition of main painting and pushing it into new areas, helping us to see the world and think about the world in new ways. And that's what I think of when I think of contemporary art. It's making me as the viewer 
think about the world outside in a way that I haven't thought of. It's helping me see another point of view, think about uh, work in a different way. Many of the artists that you bring in um, have not only a main connection, but also are connected really around the world. And so this becomes an interesting um, an interesting touch point, I think, for us, a reminder that you know we aren't we aren't just our own little state up here with our own little museums that we really it's broader reaching than that. Yes, and and that's a real goal of ours at CMCA, um, and part of the move to the larger building and um, having a bigger footprint was to really communicate to the larger world that there is incredible things happening in the contemporary art field in Maine that can really hold its own on the global platform. Um, and it's always been that way. If you go back as a, you know, to the earliest artists that were coming here, like Thomas Cole and Frederick Church, Winslow Homer, you know, um, the Zorax, partly, they were at the forefront of contemporary art in America when they were working. When Thomas Cole came to Mount Desert in 1848, he, he was cutting edge contemporary art at the moment. I always remind people that all art was contemporary once, you know. So this is a legacy that was established in Maine and just continues until this day. And we've had this, you know, continuing wonderful um, balance between artists that are here year-round being enriched by artists that are coming here from away and that there's this continual dialogue between it with places like Skowhegan, um, Mecca, you know, that are always feeding us new artists into the state and they typically fall in love with it, some of them come back and then they become year-rounders and the whole scene just gets enriched from the bottom up. It is a good point because when I think of Winslow Homer, I don't think contemporary the same way that I would think of the Zorax being more contemporary. But you're right. At one point, he was doing very interesting things with his painting that other people were not. Absolutely. In 1890, William Winslow Homer was cutting edge. The fact that he put the viewer right on the edge of the coast so that they, you know, he, 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 he compressed the space. It's, it's sort of a, you know, art speak, but it's, you know, if you imagine earlier landscape painters, you were, you were back from the shore and you were an observer of this more tame landscape scene. Homer puts you right into the power and the, you know, the, the almost violence of the, you know, that was possible from the ocean that he was witnessing there on Prout's Neck. Um, you know, he put, he really um, created a much more contemporary viewpoint than earlier landscape painters. And that's something that is with us until today. Is that also potentially part of contemporary art is putting in a people sometimes in a place of discomfort? Yes, sometimes. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's being aware of the realities of the world, not trying to um, cover up or create a, uh, um, a sense of nostalgia. Um, you know, we're not looking at the world with sentimental eyes. Um, it's looking at the world with, um, without blinders on. Um, you know, sometimes it can be in a very imaginative way. Um, for instance, next summer we're showing the work of Tom Burkhart, and it's an installation piece that's called Studio Flood, and he's recreating an entire 
uh, three-dimensional full-scale studio space out of cardboard and it's completely upside down um, and it's about climate change and about how the world and is becoming upside down and what would happen with a tsunami and the flood and it and um, even though he created it before these recent storms it certainly feels very timely and um, it 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 brings to the fore some issues that are um, very much a part of, of, of today's um, topics. So contemporary art also encompasses things like sculpture mm -hmm. and maybe fiber arts and um, things that are auditory. It's not just paintings mm -hmm. on a wall. Absolutely. It's, it's all range of mediums these days. Um, just over the weekend, I went up to South Penobscot, Maine, which is, uh, there's an interesting um, art space called the Cannery that was showing seven sound art installations. So that's not something that you see too often or hear too often. It's, uh, you know, in both of these cases, it was work that was combining both video and auditory sounds into the experience of the art piece. Um, so that ranges from things like that to installations, like I mentioned, to freestanding sculpture. Um, when we opened the new CMCA, we had a sculptural installation by the artist Jonathan Borofsky that filled our entire main gallery with, you know, large-scale sculptures that the that the viewer walked through. Um, so you know, it ranges from that to more traditional-sized uh, paintings. Um, I tell people when CMCA started in 1952, nearly every painting fit on an easel and every sculpture on a pedestal. That's certainly not the true, not true today. So it's funny to think of something that is called the CMCA being founded in 1952. Mm -hmm. It's funny to think about as an institution how you can stay true to your mission, which is to um, focus on contemporary things, but you're more than half a century old. Exactly. It is really hard to think of that, and it's incredible the changes that have happened in art over that time, um, but always cha staying true to our mission of showing what we have felt is, you know, really the quality work. I mean, excellence has always been the standard, showing work that um, the curators of CMCA over the years have felt um, was important to be introduced to the public audience. And that included people like Louise Nevelson, Robert Indiana, Alex Katz, Jamie Wyeth, um, you know, so many artists, um, people now like John Bisbee and Dozier Bell, and they all had early shows at CMCA back in the day. So I'm really proud of that long history that we've had of introducing artists to the public, you know, early on in their career, or showcasing artists that are uh, older artists that haven't gotten the kind of exposure that their work really deserves. So it's, it's, there's never been a time where I felt like there been a limitation by just being focused on artists connected to Maine. It's also funny to think about the fact that at, at one point Louise Nevelson and Jamie Wyeth, those were those were the contemporary. Again, it's like right. the Winslow Homer idea that yeah. now we think about them as fairly classic. Exactly. And, um, but yeah. you're right that, yeah. that they needed earlier exposure to get to the place where they could become classic. 
Exactly. We had a show with Robert Indiana in 1964 of his love work, of his love sculpture, of his love work. That's the year that was introduced to New York. I mean, you know, so it, it was pretty incredible what's been happening here uh, in the coast of Maine and, you know, maybe hasn't been really celebrated or made as much of as the real impact on the story of American art. Um, and that's really one of the things that we aim to do at the new CMCA is to make sure that that uh, story, the importance of that story, the importance of Maine's role in the ongoing story of American art is told uh, to a larger audience and, and maybe gets more the kind of uh, attention that it really deserves. One of the things that I've enjoyed is um the studio visits that you do and I think that you post stuff on Instagram mm -hmm. so I will sometimes be like oh there's Suzette she's over at this artist studio and she's over at this artist studio and it and it kind of just brings it full circle for me the mm -hmm. this idea that this is, this is a living person that is right. working on their art in their own space and that there's something that's very alive about that exactly I think it's quite honestly the best part of my job. Um, it's the thing I enjoy doing the most is doing studio visits and I only wish I had more time <laughs> to do them. Uh, Maine's a big state and it's hard to get around geographically. I try if I have a meeting in some place I try to make sure that I schedule a studio visit at the tail end of that day or before my meeting to take advantage of being there or to being away out of the office. Um, I do try to get around as much as I can. Um, there's really no substitute for seeing the real thing to be able to talk one-on-one -on -one with an artist in their working space and see what their concerns are, what their ideas are, their working method, you know, all of that. And so lately I've been really trying to post those visits. Um, and oftentimes people ask me, does that mean they're going to have a show at CMCA? And I said, not necessarily. I mean, it's just really that I'm trying to get out there and connect with the artist and see, take the pulse of what's going on around the state as much as I can and share that with the online audience. Um, if I have the advantage of being there, and I always ask the artist if it's okay if I photograph their work, because some people are, you know, a little touchy about showing work in process, but if they give me the permission, then um, I feel like I just really want to share that in any way that I can with, with the online audience. So I'm a big believer in social media. I know that some people really don't like it as well or they say it's not for me but it's a way for me to feel connected with this with artists across not only the state but across the the nation that are working um, and see work that I wouldn't maybe otherwise see so um, it's just a tool for me I think a communication tool I actually think it's hugely important especially when it comes to art um, my mm -hmm. my daughter my my older daughter she loves art, has always mm -hmm. loved art, um, actually worked in the Portland Art Gallery over the summer, and um, she loves following the art feeds. She yeah. loves follow she loves seeing what's going on, um, seeing the artists, seeing the pieces, and it can be anything from what's going on at the Louvre to what's going on at the CMCA. Exactly. I think this is a way to get people interested. It really is. I, I think it has um, great potential as, as really an educational tool. 
Um, I certainly benefit from it. I mean, I follow a number of online art um, journals and um, a number of artists' Instagram feeds. And whenever I give a talk to artists about getting their work seen or professional practices, I always say, you know, get on Instagram especially because that's really visually focused. And it's, you know, it's, it's an easy way. It's free. It's a way to get your work out in front of an audience. And you just never know who's going to see it and what it might lead to. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> good. We're on the same page on that one. Anybody who criticizes, at least you and I, we know what we're talking right. about. Right. That's so that, it. That's good. Um, tell me about this award that has recently been announced through the CMCA. Yes, well, just yesterday, we're really pleased to announce a partnership with the Ellis Beauregard Foundation. Um, that's a new foundation um, based in Rockland, Maine. Um, it's the uh, legacy of two artists, John Ellis and his wife, Joan Beauregard. Um, and the director is now Donna McNeil. Um, and we're really pleased to be partnering with them. Um, the Ellis Beauregard Foundation itself is going to be giving out a $25,000 award annually to a main artist working in any medium. And part of the award is a solo show at CMCA. So that's our contribution to the award is the exhibition so that the public, the larger public, can see the work of the artist that is getting the award. So we're really pleased about this and it's a significant amount of money. That was one of the things that I think the Ellis Beauregard Foundation was um, particularly, um, thought was particularly important was to give uh, a, you know, a significant monetary award to really be able to make a difference in an artist's life. Well, that's important. I mean, this is something that a lot of artists that I've spoken to for quite some time, they will need to do other things in order to support their art and support that creative side. So to be able to have the space provided by money to, right. I don't know, turn on your lights, I guess, and yeah. pay your mortgage. I mean, yeah. that's pretty yeah. important. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's enough money that I think somebody, if they if they are able to, they could take a break from from work from an outside you know job. Um, they could rent a studio space. They could buy materials. It really, you know, we it, um, it's enough that I think that it can really make a significant difference in an artist's career. And coupled with the exhibition at CMCA, so that it also um, brings that work to the larger public. I think uh, together. Um, it's a it's a really going to be a positive um, contribution to the whole field here in Maine. The thing that I find fascinating about Rockland is that it's um, it's absolutely still a working waterfront. The ferry goes out to Vinyl Haven, where Robert Indiana's yeah. studio and home is goes out to North Haven, you know, there's a big, I think it's a concrete factory or something that's, mm -hmm. there's some big factory mm -hmm. that's over there. So there's this gritty industrial feel to it. And yet it's been called the new art center of Maine. It's rapidly becoming that, I think. Um, you know, uh, our, our building is uh, just a block away from the Farnsworth Art Museum. It's around the corner from the Strand Theater. Um, so we intentionally um, bought that location when it became available to create that, you know, 
to be the third leg of the proverbial three-legged stool, to really create a center in the heart of Rockland's Main Street and Arts District. Um, there are now something like 24 commercial art galleries scattered around Rockland. Um, so with the CMCA and the Farnsworth, the Strand Theater, these commercial galleries, um, the Ellis Beauregard Foundation now, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming this really active um, art center. Um, we're very close to the working waterfront, you know, and the building was really designed to be both um, an aesthetic bridge, an architectural bridge between the historic Main Street and the working waterfront. Um, Design New England called us as timeless and as frugal as a Maine lobster boat. <laughs> so we love that description because we really are so, you know, it's sort of an industrial style building with metal cladding on it. And, you know, it's not, it's not fancy. Um, it's, it was done with a, a really minuscule budget, but just working with a great architect, Toshiko Mori, to make every, every nickel count. Every time I talk to artist Eric Hopkins, he reminds me that his original studio was actually somewhere in that footprint of where your building is now. Mm -hmm. So it's got this interesting kind of decades-long heritage of already being a place where art was, um, yep. I guess, focused upon. Yep. Well, uh, yes, our art lab um, education classroom, our art lab classroom, is exactly where Eric's studio was. So I feel like there's really great energy in that in that space, you know, the, um, left over from Eric, because certainly he's a wonderful um, artist and, and friend of CMCA's. And uh, we have him to thank for actually bringing that property to our attention. He's also a very good friend of our architect, Toshiko Mori. Uh, her husband, uh, Jamie Carpenter, and Eric went to the Rhode Island School of Design together. Um, so the reason that Toshiko and Jamie are in Maine is because of Eric. So there's a wonderful network there. It's that, you know, that Maine thing where there's never six degrees of separation in Maine. It's never more than two, I think. So there's a great network and, and, and spirit of community that sort of surrounds the whole CMCA. I also like the fact that the Camden International Film Festival um, has showings scattered not only in Camden Rockport, but also in Rockland. So you're bringing in yet another type of um, art and more exposure for the people at CMCA through people coming to town for that. Yes, a lot of people come into town for SIF, for the Camden Film Festival. Um, and the last couple of years, they've had this incredible virtual reality showcase called Storyforms that has been installed in a building directly across the street from us at CMCA. So um, there's been this wonderful um, exchange of, of visitors to the Storyforms to see the virtual reality um, pieces that are on view and then coming over to CMCA. And for the last couple of years, we've tried to have something that was really uh, participatory or engaging the public in our court in our courtyard during the SIF weekend. And this year we had the sculptor uh, Jeff Smith and his piece called It's the Smallest House in the World, um, picking up on the tiny house movement. It's a bright grass green sculpture that is also a functional tiny house. Um, not meant for the long haul, but um, really great as a kind of talking point and, and um, you know, uh, 
topic of conversation, something to get people thinking about. Um, it's absolutely adorable, uh, um, small house on wheels, and um, it had a documentary film about the tiny house playing inside the tiny house during SIFs. So we, you know, we we try to have something that sort of uh, fits or would be appealing to the SIF audience during that weekend, and and hope to do more um, because there's so much crossover right now with film and documentary and what it, you know, storytelling. There's, you know, artists that are visual artists that are working in that medium. So there's there's a lot that's that that I think we can partner with in the future as well. Well, now I'm excited to go back up and visit. I've yes. already I've already been in the CMCA, but it yep. continues to change, so I'll have to make a trip back up to Rockland. I've been speaking with Suzette McAvoy, who is the executive director and chief curator at the Center for Maine Contemporary Art in Rockland. Thank you so much for coming down and for um, sharing this continuing story with us. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.